Hey you guys, happy end of summer. We're in September. Last time I checked, we're in September. This is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal. And once again, we have a brand new season of Scandal with Scandal Revealed, our official Scandal podcast from the television program Scandal on the fabulous network ABC. Now we're gonna try something a little different this year, you guys, and we're gonna see how it goes because Shondaland has an entire night of fabulous television on Thursdays, eight, nine, and 10 o'clock on ABC. We're gonna give a little recap for the other two shows that we will not be covering in such full detail. And I'm gonna try to do that right now. Hopefully you guys have watched Grey's Anatomy at eight o'clock this past Thursday, and you watched Scandal at nine o'clock, and you watched How to Get It With Murder, our new show, at 10 o'clock. I wanna talk to a little bit about Grey's Anatomy, what happened on Grey's Anatomy, before I introduce our phenomenal guest who will be speaking with us today about the television program Scandal and also some other incredibly interesting topics, probably like puppies and other great stuff that we love. The ever effervescent and sparklingly fabulous Scott Foley. I think I've been puppied out. You're pu- <laughs> <laughs> Scott and I like to talk about puppies because Scott just recently got a puppy and I'm obsessing about his puppy to the point where it's probably getting a little weird and stocky. Oh, no, no, not that. I'm just saying that the charisma ad that I did as well as me holding a puppy and like That's a bunch right. of sheets, just, it's just puppies everywhere. It's puppies everywhere. It's too but, much. By the way, you look so good with the puppy and the sheet. I gotta get an elephant or something. You need, <laughs> um, Scott today is wearing a nicely fitting t-shirt. It's sort of a tawny brownish gray, which is, is, is a good look. And he's got on some nice gray khakis. He's got these great all-star sneakers that are in a kind of unique blue-green color. Very um, monochromatic to He's looking very sort of monochromatic and casual, but yet chic, um, which I think is clearly the key to Scott Foley. Um, now, Scott, you know anything about Grey's Anatomy from this, this past week besides mm. the fact I know you're a fan because you were on it, for God's sakes. Yeah, but but this past week, no. No, okay, Not so yet. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Let's it. Let's hear it. What's great about Grey's Anatomy this week was uh, the episode was just so you guys know, it was called I Must Have Lost It on the Wind. And as you know, all of our Grey's Anatomy episodes are named after songs. The, the episode starts with Meredith remembering glimpses of her childhood and her mother's suicide attempt. There's a whole issue, as we all know, about Derek's decision to move to Washington by himself. And this is just a big old crapshoot of horror for everybody. Because what the hell is going to happen with that? The kids would stay in Seattle. Derek wants to move to Washington. Meanwhile, Richard goes to this AA meeting and he reveals that he's got a daughter and he sees Amelia there and Amelia hears him and therefore obviously his secret's out. April notices that Owen's been acting kind of weird since Christina left because he's distant and he keeps calling out Yang's name instead of the replacement Pierce. April forces Jackson and Derek to ask him out on a mandate, which as you can imagine is a superly weird, awkward thing to kind of do. Owen and Meredith and Maggie attempt to load a patient from a chopper to a gurney and the gurney's blown off the roof and crashes into an SUV which really screws up a patient who's in the car who's actually trying to have sex with his girlfriend. Meredith's secret sister tries to get to know Meredith without actually letting her know that she's her sister and they argue a lot. And then Maggie complains to Richard that she really doesn't like Meredith despite being her half-sister. Now Callie and Arizona are in a whole place because they're trying to figure out whether or not to use a surrogate for their next kid. And Callie's concerned as to whether or not they can trust somebody else to carry the baby. In the meantime, Arizona is trying to decide that she wants to do this fetal surgery fellowship based on this Dr. Hernan's recommendation, who's this fabulous doctor who's played by Gina Davis, who we all love because she's a phenomenal actress and we were lucky to get her. And Jackson's decided the Kristen seat on the board will either go to Baylor or Alex, and there's a whole thing about that, like who the heck is going to get the seat, and then you kind of find out, and it's pretty good. Meredith then confines in Alex that she doesn't know if her marriage can survive Derek moving, and then later, at the end of the episode, Meredith's surprised when Derek comes in and tells her he's no longer taking the job. Hmm, guess what Meredith does? She gets drunk. 
Okay, that's what I would do in that particular situation. By the way, what about you, Scott? I would follow Meredith and you. Like, Scott understands these things. <laughs> now, our new show is called How to Get Away with Murder, and you didn't see the pilot. I'm going to talk through it really, really quickly. The story is basically about a group of law students who we discover in the middle of the woods, and they're surrounding a body, and it's clear they've done something to the body, and they're very definitely involved. And then we flash back five to six months to the fall where they're new law students, and they are the students of Professor Annalise Keating, played by Viola, Viola Davis, who's super cool. And what we watch over the course of the pilot is them learning how a defense attorney works, them all becoming sort of apprentices for Viola Davis's character. And while they're watching her do the law, we also continue to flashback and we learn over the course of the episode that they have actually killed somebody, that they're trying to get rid of the body. And at the end of the episode, we discovered that that body is none other than Annalise Keating's husband, Sam, who weirdly enough is played by Tom Verrick, who's also the producing director for Scandal. We just take from our own and we stick them in television shows. There's also another mystery which is going on because there's just not enough mysteries in this television show, which is all about the disappearance of Lila Stangard, a student at the college where the law school is actually based. And what we discover at the end of the pilot is that Lila is not missing anymore. She's dead in a water tower. So come on, you gotta see what's gonna happen next on that show, right? But Let's talk about Scandal, because that's why we're really here. Scott Foley, episode 401, 401. which is called Randy, Red, Super Freak, and Julia. Why is it called Randy, Red, Super Freak, and Julia, Scott It's Foley? so funny you bring this up. So weird, right? Because I didn't initially understand it, and then after reading and seeing the episode, yes. it's based on this episode's names for the different characters, Randy being Huck, Red being Abby, Super Freak being Quinn, and Julia being the name that Olivia has been living by or going by for the past, what, two and a half or three months. Julia Baker. Julia Baker. Julia Baker, who is? Who is the title character of the television show that was on uh, 40 years ago now? Quite a bit away. Right. The, the Diane Carroll. The Diane Carroll, that's exactly right. And it was called Julia. Julia. And she played, I believe, a nurse. And she had a know. little child, Corey, who played with a kid whose name was Earl Wagadorn or Earl something. And the funny thing is, Carrie's dad's name in real life is Earl. See, this is why the world is small and terrifyingly tiny. Now, I gotta say, one of the most amazing openings of any television programming in the history of television was clearly that crazy ass beach thing that you guys did. How you went to a beach. That? We went to a beach. We had uh, the travel and shooting, and then on our way back, it was a total of three days where Carrie, myself, and a, a really a small handful of people uh, hopped on a plane out of Burbank. We flew direct to Nassau on the Bahamas. Stayed at the lovely one and only resort down there. Thank you very much to them. Thank you one and only. Thank lovely you. resorts. Beautiful. By the way, they really took great care of us. I and hear they, put, they did. They put everybody up. It was amazing. Great. And then we hopped on a boat from Nassau and took an hour long ride to this itsy bitsy tiny little island with no electricity on the island, no nothing. If there was any electricity, it was provided by solar or wind per homeowner. There may be 10 or 12 homes on this island. I mean, it's you can't see your neighbor, it's nothing. They're ramshackle, beautiful little shacks where you wanna be if you're trying to escape the world. And it is amazing. Oh gosh, okay. Now, just so everybody knows out there, I did not go on this trip. Clearly. You were invited. Um, you had work to do. I was doing other things. It's a shame you're not executive producing three television shows it was, right now. You know, it's, we were a little busy, but I was very envious, and it sounded like quite an incredible trip. It really and was. One, the scene where you guys actually, because I got to say, I had this weird reaction when I watched it. I just wanted you to stay there. I really wanted you guys to stay there because it was so amazing. You both look so amazing. There's great music playing. It looks amazing. And then she gets that damn clipping about Harrison dying. You know, Quinn has to ruin 
everything. Quinn sticks her foot in it on such a regular basis. We were standing in the sun. You were standing in the sun, Scott. There was sun where you were standing. I, you know what, I think I owe Quinn something. I think you do, and I'm hoping maybe later in the season, we kind of see maybe Jake take care of Quinn in some way for that. At least, at the very least, a practical joke. Yeah, that I think so, I think so. Puppies. Saran wrap over the toilet or that's, something. You know, something really, funny. That's really, that's really And funny. mature. Put something in her brownies. <laughs> a short cheater yeah. bed. Oh, Got like, her. Short cheater. Oh, <laughs> always, always really good. Take that photo, drool coming out of her mouth, and oh. post it on Twitter. Genius. You Drop could her do sleeping it. hand in some warm water. Oh, yeah. Just see what so happens. See what happens. I also find it really delightful that we, and, and horrifying, that we return to Washington and so much has changed. It's really a whole new world. It is a, that, and that's for me what I loved about this episode is because there, there's so many breakdowns that have happened. There's the breakdown of OPA, obviously, with Olivia having left and gone with Jake and what happens to her band of co-workers as they split up and, and what they choose to do, where they choose to be. We find out more about the death of Harrison, which has really affected everybody in a great big way. And then President Fitzgerald Grant, who is now in the beginning, the second term of his presidency, only really got reelected because of what factor is that where you lose a kid, you know? And he was down in the polls, and then I think because of that instance, he won again. And, and But what the, the loss of a, a child can do to a marriage, it's amazing where everybody was the, is at the beginning of this episode. And Melly, I mean, Wreck. whoa. It actually, in the script, we do refer to her because her attitude is screw it all. So for our public, I would say that it, we used a different word in the script, but for our purposes, we could say it's screw it, Melly, because Melly doesn't give a fig about anything anymore, and she's taken to Uggs and kind of natty hair, and she seems to have developed a real affinity for snack food. Cereal? She lies on gravestones and mourns. Yeah. Um, so that's not good. For God's sakes, I mean, Huck became an IT guy at a computer bar. <laughs> I mean, essentially... Yeah, he's, he's, he's the apple guy at the genius bar, really. It's just the best. Cyrus is up to his ass and alligators because Portia de Rossi, guys, okay, like, let's just take a minute and go like, Portia de Rossi is on our show. So possibly Portia de Rossi, who wears a business suit like better than business. any human being in the history of America, possibly, with the exception of Olivia Pope, who also can rock a business suit. Portia de Rossi, unbelievable, and she clearly and Cyrus are going at it. David's hiding in a corner because you gave him all those damn files and he's too scared to look he's at them. nothing but organize them and color code them, which is just a waste of time. But no, this is the thing I'm most concerned about is what's the future of Jake and Olivia now they're back in town? Because I know there's all this talk about the sun and going back to the sun, mm -hmm. but I mean, Jake at this point must be just pissed because there's that Fitz dude in the White House going on thing. Well, look, I think Jake knows and he says that as long as we're back here, he wins. Right? When it, wherever Fitz is, Fitz wins, wins with regards to Olivia. And you know, Carrie and I talked about this while we were in the islands. The relationship that was, that developed and grew between Jake and Olivia down there became honest and complete and they were each other's partners, if only there. And I think both of them are, or at least I know Jake is, mature enough and, and understand sort of what happened enough to realize that that's sort of maybe where it stayed. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like maybe it can't happen anywhere else. Who knows? It was a real thing. It had to be, you know, you can't fake that sort of intimacy that they developed down there. And I think they, at the time, they, they both thought like, okay, this is it. It works. You know, there are always, you think about your life and you think they're like, there's some people that you had the most, the, the best relationship with when you got away from your environment. They become totally different, free, amazing people when you take them out of their context and how everything gets screwed up when you get back in your context. I think that's where 
I have the same fear that Jake does, which is you do look at it and you say, but Olivia needs to be back there. And you know Jake probably needs to be back there because there's all sorts of stuff going on. Stuff down. that needs to be taken care of. Yeah, and he knows that too. I mean, I think essentially he probably knows that too. Now, what we're discovering is that the, um, the tide seems to have turned somewhat in the past year and Team Jake has kind of taken off. I mean, it's growing by the minute. Thank God, really. Really, because I was so I mean, tired of like, Team Jake getting... I was beat down. Can I, I tell can you? Can I say, I know, it's just, it's a struggle, but the, the Jake lovers just popping up all over the place I now. am I am very happy to report that although there are still a multitude of haters out there and people who believe one way or another, people have, for the most part, come to recognize Jake's place. If not believe in him and Olivia wholeheartedly or believe in him as a character, they've come to recognize his place in the show. I think that's an excellent start, but I also would like to think that people see that in the world, sometimes there are two people who in different ways are terrific for you and you want to be with, and that's the most amazing choice ever. It's like Jake and Fitz, holy moly. Right. Like, that's the best that you sit and you go, I don't know, chicken or fish. Right, and, and, and Jake and, or Jake or Fitz. And maybe they're both great. Or maybe they're both not, but they're both right for her. her. I know, it's just like, oh, it makes me so freaking happy. We just had this amazing TGIT party that was thrown for us by Twitter and was for all the shows. And one of the coolest things was that there were two or three people there who have cross-pollinated on different shows. Yeah. Tom Verica has now acted on two of them and directed, du directed on directed two. Directed on two. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So he's done that, and then he's also directed Grey's, and he's directed Scandal. Yeah. And now he's in How to Get Away with Murder. Scott Foley, as you know, played one of the best characters on Grey's Anatomy and was one of the most upsetting deaths, personally for me, in my career. Oh, that's sweet. Oh my God. I didn't I hated, know that. I hated when you died. I hated it when you died because I loved your character so much. So anyway, he died and that was really a bummer. But then he came back on this show and then hopefully one day he'll direct one of these shows and then he can be in the triple club. Tony Goldwyn has acted on a show and actually directed two of the shows because he did private practice and he did this. He directed private practice, right. Just so we're super clear. There's this and great internet thing that says fans we love Scott Foley on Grey's, Shonda. I killed him. Fans, we hate Scott Foley on, Sh <laughs> scandal. on Scandal. Shonda, he's sticking around forever. <laughs> Something like that. But I thought what was really, really fun to watch was like that you actually knew everybody. We had all the cast there and Scott was one of the only people who knew everybody. Like Jeff Perry knew people from Grey's and Kate Burton knew people from Grey's. Yeah. But you kind of like yeah. knew everybody. I get around. I'm an old man. I've been around a long time. Yeah, you're a geezer, yeah. aren't you? I you're got like that. With, you can see the Grey and then the Yeah, beard. you're like... 28 Rock. at this point. I was born in 1932, you guys. And I remember when bread cost five cents. It was around the depression. So it wasn't even sliced yet. It wasn't it was, even sliced. It was pre-sliced bread. You had to just take it and bite it off. Um, do you have any funny, weird stories about shooting the premiere? I mean, was there anything that stands out besides the fact you got to go to the most beautiful place in the world? You know, that's, that's really the, the most amazing thing for me. Most of my stuff was done on that island. Funny and amazing. We had, Carrie, you know, is, is a, a new mom and, and she had to take her baby with her. Uh, and so she had sort of a, an army of people helping her because shooting and it was, it's crazy. You know, especially when you're on a deserted island with a newborn, it's insane. So there was, you know, trying to get air conditioning into this, it was so hot, a hundred and something degrees out there and really humid. But we had, uh, we had some amazing sort of moments of solitude out there where the crew would be putting together the shot and they'd all be talking about it and Carrie and I would be sitting on the beach and I remember looking out at one point and the, we just had this moment between us where I looked over at her and she looked out at me and then we both looked back at this beautiful crystal clear blue water. Nothing was said, but I will take that with me forever. It was Ugh. amazing. 
and my wife was so mad at me. Right? What do you mean you're going on a private plane to the blah, 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 blah. I was like, babe, it's work. She's like, you're an ass. <laughs> you know, I do want to say, though, what's interesting is I've shot a television show in Hawaii. I've mm -hmm. shot a pilot in Puerto Rico. I've shot a movie in Venice, Italy. And you go to these beautiful places, but you're still working. Yeah, you're... It, and look, this was no bargain, And everybody, everybody says... Oh, you gotta do this place. It's like so great. And you've never seen an angrier person in your life than me in these tourist destinations where I am slaving my butt off and these people are like kissing each other drinking and drinking champagne coladas. Yeah, of course. and having a good time. And I'm just looking at them thinking like, screw you. And then there are always these moments that just where everything stops and you sit and you take it in for a second and you think, you think, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky I get to be shooting in this place. That's incredible. And then I go back to being Yeah, better. right. Um, okay, so this is what I want to know. Some questions from um, some fabulous people on Facebook and on Twitter. Oh, wow. We're going to ask you a couple of questions. Gabrielle Marie at Gabs Gabs. Gabs Gabs. Wants to know, what's been your most challenging scene since you've been on the show? For me, by far the most challenging scene was when Jake has to kill James. By far, not just professionally, but personally, a challenging scene. You know, Dan Bukatinsky was a much beloved character. At the time, I was playing a much hated character. And for me to take him out was, I thought, going to cause, and, and did, a, a certain amount of, of uproar. But most importantly, I loved Dan and loved being around him. And to, to have him not here with us anymore, and for me to be the one responsible for that, even though it was written for me to do so, was and still is heartbreaking for me. You know, I think it's interesting because Lola Beans and Erica Diva Hill mm -hmm. um, kind of touch on one of the things that I thought was great about that episode too, which is that you learn a little bit about Jake's backstory. Yeah. And what it did for me, and I think it did for both of these guys when I'm looking at the questions, because somebody's like, he mentions dead sister and some dysfunctional parents. I want to learn more. I mean, I'm really hoping that down the line this season we get to learn a little bit more about Jake's past because clearly there was some shizzle that went on there that was not good. I mean... Yeah, I think there's, there's an interesting backstory to Jake that, that we obviously haven't fully uncovered yet. Uh, obviously some issues with him in order to, to put him in the position where he is now, sort of the path that got him there. I think finding out the origin of all that would, would be really interesting. And, and we did get, you know, he had a speech where he's talking to, to Quinn. That's always interesting to find out more in the history of the character. It, it allows you to uh, have a fully formed idea of who he is now and the reasoning behind who he is. And for me as an actor, it helps me uh, understand the character much more as well. Totally. Madison wants to know at Pawnee Goddess, who's the cast member you haven't worked with you'd love to do a scene with? Bellamy. You've never done a scene with Bellamy? I've never had a scene with Bellamy on. Okay, um, Shonda, you guys take note. He's never done a scene with Bellamy. It seems like that's just begging to happen. Right? Right? Oh, dude. Someone, that's no, someone's going to pull something out and I'll be like, yeah, but we walked, we, we passed each other in the hallway or something. But uh, no, we've never had any sort of real interaction, I don't believe. Susie Ward Underwood wants to know before all this happened with Olivia, you were really close to Fitz. Where does your friendship stand? And this is something, there are a number of questions here actually that kind of are a little bit concerned about the status of your relationship with, uh, with Fitz. Fitzgerald Grant. Well, I, you know, that's, a, that's another interesting facet to this show and this character for me is because Fitz, you know, I was introduced, well, obviously as a, as a love interest for uh, Olivia, but we come to find out fairly quickly that Fitz and Jake have a backstory and were friends. Fitz was his commanding officer uh, in the military and, and they really had a, a good relationship, a, a strong rapport, something that you can only build with people once you've been through battle or combat. And, right. and um, unfortunately, all this other stuff got in the way, all this other stuff being 
Olivia and her dad and B613 and all this crap. Yeah, let's crap. not forget Rowan, who really knows how to screw up a party. I mean, that guy. Just saying. Who invited him? But I, I would love to see at some point the, the guys sort of man up and like say like, hey, we were friends before this. Let's try to figure out a right? way to not let this, if it hasn't already, destroy whatever it was we had. Because it's hard. I was talking about this with someone else. It's hard for men, after you reach a certain age, to make new friends. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I think women are a lot better at it, They're actually. much better. Women are, are so much better at that or than We're really all-terrain vehicles when it comes to that stuff, and I think... You go everywhere. Men are not. Like, men I are think not. we adapt and we plunk down because yeah. I, it must be in the DNA, but I think dudes cling to... What, what do you had... think the cut-up point is? Is it 20s for the uh, most part? I, I think it's like early... Eh, mid-30s. Early 30s? Yeah, mid 30s? early to mid-30s. Sort of when you settle your life or figure out exactly yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, or... and, and once you have a family, you get so much responsibility there to go out and try to cultivate something new. And look, it happens. You get a new job, you meet new people, and it does happen through a sort of series of osmosis. But, you know, and look, I, I say that, and Tony and I become friends, and Guillermo and I become friends, and, you know, I, I have a lot of new friends now because of that, but most of my friends are people I've known for a long time, so I would love for Jake and Fitz to find a way to rekindle that That friendship. makes a lot of sense. Um, I think we actually answered Christian Omar Crespo's Ortiz's question. Which that was is, the longest Twitter handle I've ever heard. It was a Facebook. By the way, lovely name, like Christian Omar Crespo Ortiz. Awesome. Like any of those names I would take and be so happy I with, love a great as name opposed like to that. Betsy Beers. When, um, we lived, when we lived in Northern California years ago, my brother, my younger brother had a girl in his class, and I've never forgot this name, named China Blue De La Cruz. And I love that name. Okay. China, China Blue China De La Cruz. China Blue De La Cruz is a song. Right? The Mysterious Lead. Talk to me about China Blue De La Cruz. Oh my God, I'm just... Like, I want to write a show about China Blue De La Cruz. Oh, incredible. Okay, anyway, that's, Christian, that's you got a great cool. name. I um, wanted to know, after being at Grey's Anatomy, how long are you expecting to be on Scandal? And I think Shonda's answered the question forever and ever. Well, I think it's a matter of not crossing Shonda. <laughs> I said, uh, did, you, did you see that thing I said the other day? That, 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 so I sent you an article yes. uh, saying character most, most likely, likely to, to die, die this season. And they gave all the reasons why Jake is most likely to die. And, I, and there's a photo of him with a big bullseye on it. <laughs> Sigh on it. So I sent this. <laughs> so Scott sent around yesterday morning to all the cast and crew, and and it got very little response in there. So I was like, oh, oh, people think it's serious or some, you know, something like that. And then last night, Shonda sent something like, oh, you need to stop worrying so much. And then her next email was, but don't ever cross me. I'm just kidding about that. And then Josh <laughs> Molina wrote, believe the first part, not the second. <laughs> um, Ashley Sears wants to know, and she wants to say that she's been waiting all capital all summer. Ashley. My question is, do you prefer your characters as the loving Olivia obsessed character or do you enjoy exploring the darker side of the character? For me, the darker side is more interesting. I tend to find myself playing parts where people see me, Scott Foley, as the loving guy sort of pining for someone for whatever reason and I've, uh, I, I, I like doing that but I've, I've done it quite a bit so to get the opportunity to do the darker stuff for me is more interesting and more challenging. Although I, I always go back to the soft stuff. I don't know why. I'm a softie. There's some amazing questions here, I'm just going to say. Bobblehead Lives says, if you were a sandwich, what type of sandwich would you be? I love Bobblehead. Without, bobblehead, without, without my... Uh, bobblehead always asks the most imaginative questions. Without my dietary questions. restrictions. If I didn't have any dietary restrictions, I would be a hot pastrami sandwich on rye yep. with Swiss cheese, Russian dressing, and coleslaw all day long. That sounds so good, actually. Can I tell you? I, I'm really thinking of starting to eat red meat again after just saying that out loud. I know, right? Is, I'm like so excited uh, by that God, sandwich God, let's go now. to Nate and Al's right, right now. Right now. Some really, really tasty. Or Bay City's Deli. There's a place called Bay City's Bay City's. Here. I was going to say, there's a sandwich at Bay City's. Okay, you guys, there's this Italian deli. In Santa Monica. High Bay City's in Santa Monica, California. Uh, and they make the most 
amazeball sandwiches you've ever had. I will stand in line. The Godfather and the Godmother? Oh, there's a Godfather and Godmother. Oh my gosh. And But I I, I like get a, a turkey sandwich. They bake their own bread yep. there. Yep. They slice the, the um, lettuce just the way it's supposed to be sliced. Everything is perfect. They, they dress it. They put these hot and, and sweet peppers on it. It is truly worth breaking your diet. I gotta take my shirt off on Friday and I've had like uh, three pieces of chicken and some water today. That's what that's just, about. I was just about to say, he's looking a little emaciated, yeah. you guys. But his guns, I mean, oh really, really impressive. So, um, Scandalous Sally, Sally M. Langston, wants to know, how do you feel about fuzzy pajama pants? I'm not a pajama guy. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not a pajama guy. Now so you know. fuzzy or not. Every year I get pajamas and I just don't get, I'm hot all the time, that's why. Well, we know that. Well, I'm, yes. I, I'm, I run my- You run hot. Yes. In other words, you have the body temperature, I have the body temperature of a fish because I run cold. Oh, do you? So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm always cold, but you're always warm. Oh, always hot. Well then, see, I yeah. don't think pajama bonnets are in your future. They're not, unfortunately. I think that that was an amazingly rich and wild selection of questions that we got for you I because agree. you're such a newly popular character and because people now really want to know what you would be if you were a sandwich or what your favorite dance song is, which I didn't answer you, but thank you so much for doing this. As always, it's lovely to have you here and um, it's always really fun to get a chance to talk to you and for you to put up with this amazing diatribe. And I love it. And can I, I tell you, I saw the first episode of How to Get Away with Murder and I think it's so good. So good, right? I think it's so, so good. The entire cast is amazing. So good. The writing is so great. The fact that we get to, we're gonna find out why they killed her husband, played by Tom Verica. She emotes and you can see it on screen and it's so great. It's so great. She's so just emotionally present and fabulous and, and you I was, just wanna, uh, you wanna, uh, like you just wanna live there. I was next to her on the, to Viola on the red carpet uh, at that Twitter thing and she ended one, she talked to a reporter and ended the, the, the interview by saying, all right, I'm out, peace. And I thought like, I could never get away with that. That's so cool. <laughs> I don't know why. No, she's just so cool. I mean, she's super cool and everybody in the show is great. So I'm glad. Good. And I can say that because I didn't write it. I just executive produced it. So see, I can brag about the stuff because I'm a super fan. Next week, you have three new fabulous television programs on Thursday night. You have a new episode of Grey's Anatomy, which um, is going to be phenomenal. We're gonna see a lot more of this Maggie character, and I'm pretty excited about it. Kelly McCreary, amazing actress, super, super exciting, and I think we're also obviously gonna be delving more into this Mare Dare thing, which is really tricky. On, of course, the fine television program Scandal, uh, we will be hopefully seeing a little more of Portia de Rossi. There's a lot of stuff coming up which you do not wanna miss. That's all I'm gonna tell you about it because it's such a good episode and you will definitely see Scott Foley in the episode Television's Jake, which is incredibly awesome. And on how to get away with murder, you won't believe the client in episode two is all I'm gonna say to you. Episode two has one of the coolest, most strange clients I've seen on a law show in a really, really long time. And as the show progresses, we're gonna get to know a little bit more about the circumstance the kids and the murder, and also the ongoing mystery of the disappearance and discovery of Lila Stangard. And do not miss it. That is Grey's Anatomy at eight o'clock. That is Scandal at nine o'clock. And that is How to Get Away with Murder at 10 o'clock. All on ABC, all on Thursday night. Thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. And the hashtags are kind of easy to figure out. So I'm just gonna leave it to you guys. Thank you so much. This is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, and Grey's Anatomy. Wishing you a phenomenal week. I will be back next week blathering in your ear again. Bye-bye.